back in the pub a week on and following the uh, victory on Sunday. It's great to be back from my holiday. I enjoyed watching the game in Wren and I'm joined by Phil. Good evening, Phil. Good evening. Good evening, Ian. Good evening. And a very special guest, friend of the show, uh, local artist and uh, general round good egg, Mr. Luke Prest. So, welcome, Luke, and uh, welcome to Four Boys in the Pub. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Right then, so I'm not going to talk about what I watched on the TV. Lads, <laughs> off you go, Phil. I think the first thing I want to call out on, on Sunday was the atmosphere was incredible. I think all of us were saying before the game, we, we went to the Chiefs like we normally do before the game, and it, it felt quiet. Sheffield felt quiet. There weren't a lot of cars about, the pubs weren't particularly busy. We got to the ground quite early, there wasn't a lot of people there. But then as it got closer to 2 o'clock, the ground just got busier and busier and busier. And by kick-off time, the atmosphere was just incredible. And the lads didn't let us down either, did they? No. I mean, that noise, I think when the final whistle went, and the cheer, I turned to my dad and said, I've got a buzzing in my ear. It was that loud. It created this, you know, your ears just buzz with the, with the loudness of the noise. And it's not been like that. Not for a long, long, long Even the goal, time. the goal being celebrated. I mean, there were some loud goals last year. I mean, Didsies against Brentford springs to mind straight away. But my daughter's first official game as a season ticket over this weekend, and she nearly jumped out of her skin after three minutes at second half when the goal went in the back of the net. But she loved it. She loved it. It was great. Really enjoyed it. And we, I think, um, I, I, don't, I don't know what everybody else thinks, but I was saying as the first half grew on. I felt like we should have released the shackles a little bit. It was almost like we were being a little bit too defensive. Although we weren't playing badly, I felt we could do so much more and, and second half we just got better and better and grew into it more and more. I think so. I think I think Black coming on and Black coming off and Freeman coming on seemed to give us that without without it really being a tactical switch. Which I was surprised about. I was surprised Freeman went into the midfield. It's a bit more direct, wasn't it? Yeah, I was expecting to come on as a number ten and a bit of a tactical shift back to what we were doing because we were getting pegged back a little bit and you felt as though we've got a bit more to go forward with. Yeah, yeah. He impressed me with his defensive work as well. I thought he broke up a couple of decent attacks as well. He chased everywhere. He wasn't. He, he was fluid on the ball. But off the ball, his work off the ball in chasing, carrying down, like say, putting the tackles, robbing a couple of players of the ball in possession. You know, dare I, say, I, I didn't know he got that in him. Yeah, I thought he were, I thought he were a, a straight number ten attacking player. Exactly. We've always said he's kind of the replacement Duffy for the Duffy yeah. role, as it's called. Duffy couldn't do what he did on Sunday. That that shirt is his to lose for me now. Blake's yeah. got a job to get back in because uh, John did Blake didn't do much wrong when he was on the pitch, but. Freeman gave us something different, but for me, the start of the game reminded me of the start of the game at Bournemouth. First couple of minutes, come out, out the block sharp, and then we just got pegged back a little bit, and they found a bit of space, not that they did a great deal with it, but they had a spells of possession, which was a bit like Bournemouth, for 15, 20 minutes, and we grew into the game again, and like you say, we, we got that momentum up, up to half-time. Did you miss a chance that just, just hit him on the knee. It's well, weird that. Watching back, watch back yeah. on the replays, and he, he didn't seem to move his leg towards it or anything. No, he just let it hit him. Yeah. Kind of let it bounce off him, and he has scored a couple of goals like that. Yeah. But don't get me wrong, I'm not being critical about yeah. him in any no, way no. whatsoever. It was just one of those moments where you thought at the time, at half time, you were only thinking, that, that, we've, said, we've said it last week, I think, you know, we've, we've got to take the chances when they present themselves. That was the fear of Bournemouth. You know, you get two or three chances, and you, you know, you've got to try and take, put one of them away, because you might be limited in what you can get in the match. 
I couldn't agree with more with everything that's been said. The accidental Freeman introduction, if you like, to play injury. There was a nervousness in the play, um, which was completely unwarranted. Because I look at that Palace team, and I, I was—I said within three nils, I was—I was confident. But when I saw Zaha in the lineup, I got obviously a little bit concerned about that. And I was just saying this to Luke before you two chaps arrived. But Palace's team is littered with players that they should have upgraded last season, the season before. McCarthy, for example, in midfield, Milovic, I thought was quite good, but McCarthy's such a bang average central midfielder. I can't got, believe they've paid nine million for McCarthy. Nine I thought he was I thought he was dead, I don't know where he'd gone. If he'd <laughs> been out two years, he's very much alive, he can just has bulldogs, he didn't go <laughs> round the net. But as for the McGoldrick chance, unfortunately that's cost him his shirt for me on Saturday. Especially the way that Absolutely. That that is another that's a, 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 a bad one in the terms we don't want to we don't want to lose him because he looks every bit of the quality play we know he was. But I thought one thing you've not mentioned is how good McBurney looked when he came on. He's just so physical and hard I love him already. I love him. He, he just puts himself around. He reminds me of um, a little bit of like when Ship leaves, just do all the donkey work in that in that side. Obviously, he's got a little bit more technical prowess about him. I thought he was brilliant. As for the atmosphere, I can't comment because in Cafe Ren in France, it was quite subdued. There's a family having a meal, an old man having mother's fritz, and me and my mate having it. Having a pint of Stella, we weren't having anything to think <laughs> early now. Been out the night before, pint of Stella weighed a million. Well, I, mean, I, I, I got to work the next morning and I could have a talk. <laughs> my, my voice was hoarse. Yeah, I was still a little bit hoarse. Yeah, now, I, I can't remember the last time I left the lane like that. I, I, amongst all the promotion celebrations and everything. I, I think we suddenly shouted out of similar. But actually, it was a weird feeling watching a match. Because, whereas when you're going for promotion or you've got something really you wanted to play for, there's, a, there's an anxiety there. Yeah. And there's a, we've got to beat this side. And actually, there certainly went, wasn't a referee put seven minutes up. Well, yeah. Well, 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 I was going to say, but I was watching that match. Sorry, quick. I was going to say, I was watching that match, and I didn't feel that nervousness because actually, if we draw that game, it, it's disappointing in one respect because it's a game you want to win at home. But ultimately, we're, it, we're we're in a step up at the minute, and we're yeah. learning. And I just didn't feel that tension, like you said. Then the seven minutes went up, and Christ, felt bit, that game. It felt a bit cup tied, didn't it? Yeah. You know when you sort of hark back to like when we had Arsenal from away and, and, and Villa and Leeds when they were up in the Premier League and you and you got that bit of a shot to nothing. We were not in terms of the way we played, it was oh, in terms of the atmosphere. Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. And, that, and I think we, the danger is we've got to now keep that for another eighty home games. And you know, it's an eighteen game cup run. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't remember who I was reading. Someone on Twitter was saying, uh, it, it might have been Alan Nixon, someone asked him who he thinks will go down from the Premier League, whether any of the three promoted teams will stay up. And his response was, the start that we've had, effectively, you've got however many home games there is left now that we've got to play, what is it, 17 home games or something yeah. like that? We only need to win 10 of them. And that sounds only need to win 10 of them. But well, we win 10 games. That's, that's about seven games that we can afford to drop points. Yeah, is effectively at home. Top six or seven teams, isn't exactly, it? yeah. And I'm not getting ahead of my station in any way whatsoever, but we couldn't have asked for much better at the start, could we? We really no. couldn't. And Leicester's going to be tough. They're a good side. That's going to be a difficult game this weekend. Is it worth us touching on the, the press index, as we call it, at this point? <laughs> oh, yeah. Because yeah, you're about points we need. I'll give you a little bit of a a rundown. 
in terms of points that we need, if you put 40, 40 points as the magic number, the, yep. the sort of points required to stop up, that puts us 10% of the way there. And you're going to put my math on the spot now, so I don't know it off the top of my head, but we played 5% of the games. It'll be about 5%. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. 5%, so, so that puts us effectively double bubble, doesn't it? On the, yeah, on the index. On the index. Divide yeah. one by the other. And yeah, yeah. It's basically <laughs> a really complicated way of working out games played versus points of change. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen, you've now got the pressed index that you can use to decide how safe we're looking. We'll update you on that. Well, the theory, the theory is, the theory is that we're going to go through runs of games where, where we're not yeah. winning. And as long as that percentage of points remains ahead of the percentage of games played, you, yeah. can, you can look at it on the back of two or three defeats and think, well, actually, we're still probably ahead of where we should be. And that's like you say, come January, February, when we've got that run, that's when it will take a battery. You're you building a buffer. It's, ironically, it's the best start we've had in the way. One name, not been mentioned yet. What? Big critic of him myself in the past, Mr. Lundstrom. I mean, fantastic to see any relatively young football score in his first Premier League goal. He's been a phenomenal player in two matches. I think people claim he was the man of match in Bournemouth for me was a bit much, but he had a reasonable game. On, uh, on Sunday he was absolutely fantastic. I mean, Mr. Lundstrom or Mr. Not Paul Coots, because everyone, I think he, suffered, he did suffer for not being Paul Coots and not being that kind of player, because that is the role he had to perform when he came in last time. He's playing a different role in a, in a different, let's be honest, a, an amended United setup, and he's doing a fantastic, fantastic job. I think, I think he can count himself and look it to, to not have played more minutes last season, to be honest. I think it, it was just a, a quirk of the tactics and the personnel that we had in those positions. You got Lundstrom, there's not Lundstrom, Norwood quarterback in, Fleck just sort of buzzing around everywhere, and, and Duffy playing the number 10. None of them are really where you've put Lundstrom in the team. He's added something to his game as well. It's made us more solid. Mm. I think you've got um, Robinson will come deep. You've got McGoldrick will come deep. That creates that Duffy um, kind of space that he played in. Just bash him and uh, bowl off a little bit of protection and physicality because both of them have the strengths, but Basham's very wiry. For yeah. a centre half, he's not muscular. Baldock, there's not much to him at all. Obviously, really? they've not me. Both of them have not me off the ball, but like lunge to me, physical. He's just a, he's just a very competent all-round midfielder, isn't he? Mm. Which, which is probably what we need right now in that team. Whereas last season we've got very specific roles. And we were on a, last season. I'm not saying we we had nothing to lose, did we? Really? Uh, from the start of the season, the start we had, and now we kicked off. Wilder could push and be more expansive in the way we play. And he wasn't the player for us to just take those chances and play how we are. Like I say, now we need to manage the game better, contain teams, sort of win win that ball in midfield work hard. He's perfect for it. Yeah, he is. He is. And, and do you know what? He can play as well. Yeah. So he's always got a goal in him. Yeah. I, I, I don't know his goals for game duration, but he's scored a few goals. How many goals he's scored in his career? Bear in mind he's scored in all four divisions now. How many goals he's actually scored in his career? Ten. Yeah. When did he score in the Champions? I bet. I bet. Last season. Forest. I bet most. Forest. Bloody hell. Not last season. Season before. Yeah. He scored three or four for you. I'm sure he has. Yeah. Sure he has. Yeah. I don't remember scoring last season. I remember that one at Forest. Now I remember him going through in the last minute of Bolton not last season. Season before it in Bath, where we were almost eating that hard. Like just all he needed to do was stroke it into net. But yeah, credit where credit's due. And one making in. In the Wilder, in the Sheffield 
in sort of unwritten philosophy that we're all preaching about proving people people wrong. He's the complete embodiment of that. And yeah, yeah. May continue. 100%, 100%. I, think, I, I don't really look at stats a great deal, but you look at, um, I heard it, it might have been on Bladespot, I heard it, his, um, he's created more chances than most of the rest of the midfield. It's kind of a, it's kind of a theme of Wilder's management that, that every season there seems to be somebody that comes from nowhere yeah. to just to just have a storming season. And you look at sort of when when we went up and everyone was panicking that we'd no strikers, and then Leon, Leon Clark turned into Didier Drogba for a season, and then. <laughs> So a season before that, you've got Coops and Freeman coming out from the cold and having absolute mm-hmm. blinders. Yeah, McGoldrick came from McGoldrick nowhere. Came from nowhere. Well, and and even before that, you sort of cast your mind back to the start of last season, everybody was harking on about how we needed a left wing back. And yeah. then Ender Stevens and had an absolute blind. Talking of which, that, what a player. That bit of skill that on that was it, he had a quiet game actually by his standards. I thought, yeah. thought Baldock showed him up, but that little pirouette that he did. And if, it, if, that, if that ball with the outside left foot had got across as well. Baldock first half was up there, if not better than Lundstrom, I thought it was absolutely incredible first half. Baldock obviously got a little bit tired because you're going to. Fully deserves his, uh, his new contract as well, by the way. Yeah, well, it's a good tie players of that quality down and obviously stop his head being turned by Celtic as well. So that's uh, that's the end of uh, that then. So three three the win in the win in the win column, four points of two games, um, and yeah, we can't the pressed index is happy and so are we, so that's the end of part one. So part two part two and uh, obviously coming up on Saturday, back back to back home games, which that is my plans given some uh, family plans are made best part of six, nine months ago, but unfortunately I'll be missing Saturday, but uh, I'll find a way, there's always ways and means of seeing the seeing the blades in action, so I'm, uh, just good job the wife and listen to this right now, to be honest, but yeah, well, I'll find a way, but obviously you three will be there, I think Leicester under Brendan Rodgers are a, a different Leicester and a Leicester that could be challenging for a top six place this season, so I think it's going to be a completely different test to Palace, um, I mean how are you guys feeling about it? Yeah, very much the same. I've got to say though, you're letting the side down. So I'm camping down in Warwickshire this weekend, and I'm coming back for the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Leicester's probably the first game that you look at on paper, and you think it's going to be tough. That they're a good side, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, they are a they're good, good side. side. And I, I think the the issue we might find with Leicester is that the the they're not a particularly fancy downside where. It, look at them and you think well they might not be up for a fight and we could outrun them and get in the faces and, and rattle them I think they've got everything we got would ordinarily all, rely yeah. on to to try and get get a foothold in the game and if you look at it second half on Sunday I thought they, they were be- the better side against Chelsea um, you know could have arguably got something more than a point from it um, but that, that team that so what was it, their team on Sunday so their team on Sunday was um, Schmeichel obviously in goal um, back four of Fuchs, who was in for because it was an injury. Suyuncu, I don't know how you pronounce that, but Turkey. Yeah. yeah. Evans and Pereira. Evans, they rate about. They rave about him, don't they? Yeah. And Didi is. When you've watched West Morgan for 20 years, changes as good as a ref. Premier League winning captain, David. Oh, yeah. And Didi is the holding midfielder, and then. Um, Madison Chowdhury, who I saw in the under 21s, I know he was sent off England in the summer, I didn't rate him at all, I just didn't. Probably, probably just use the workhorse in that midfield for them. Telemans I rate immensely, really a fantastic player. talent. 
coming through at, at Anderlecht a few years back. Iosi um, Perez, obviously, I got from Newcastle, mm-hmm. and then Vardy. And it's, it's, to and me, Vardy, it's, it's Vardy absolutely nailed on to score at the top end, didn't it? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely nailed on. Yeah, he has scored, scored at Lane. Absolutely he's, 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 away with his finger on his lips. Well, he's a class act. He won't have a celebrate or anything. He did last time, <laughs> did he? He did, yeah. did he? Did he? Yeah. At, at their place, yeah. I, I, I was being immensely facetious, but I... Uh, I can't. I can't remember. I think I was winding Leicester fans up that night for the duration to not expect anything. But anyway, I mean, for me, so, for me, the worry there is their attacking talent. Well, you, any any midfield, and bear in mind they had Harvey Barnes on the bench, and he, um, he ripped his one last year, didn't he? Oh, Brian, he yeah, sure. I mean, that's yeah. They've also got uh, Demari Gray could come into that, yeah. couldn't they? They've got a lot of talent, but we're gonna we're gonna have to play these teams. They won't be looking forward to the match, but they do have a manager whose philosophy is, uh, is second to none. I mean, we've had a lot of praise at the weekend of pundits and stuff about the way we approach that game. But in Leicester, they've got a manager in Brendan Rodgers who's, who's truly inspirational. Um, I've been away for a week with some Liverpool fans who've shared some of his finest quotes with me. I'd just like to read you one of them right now. I've always said that you can live without water for many days, but you can't live for a second without hope. <laughs> so, bearing that in mind... I'm quaking in my boots. Um, <laughs> that, 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 you sure that, that wasn't Nigel Atkins? I was going to say. <laughs> I don't even know what he's trying to get at there. I don't even know what... Maybe he lived in Castleton at the time. He couldn't live without hope. I don't know. <laughs> local gag for local people. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got it all on this podcast. Inspirational quotes and peak district, district-based banter from Ian. Um, but yeah, you look at that side. Like, I'm, I'm a big fan of Indeedy. He seems to have been there for years. He's only about 22. Dropped the howler of the weekend, though, didn't he? Didn't he get the goal, though? Yeah, he, he got, got the goal. Yeah. But like, they've got a lot of quality in that team. I think the the area of weakness is the centre back. Yeah, I was about to say that. Um, I think you need to get in at that uh, young lad. And everything would, you read, though, they they rave Johnny. They rave about Johnny Evans. So, they, yeah. you know, so we're not going to miss Maguire. We've got Evans coming in. I've done alright so far, haven't we, without Yeah. For, for me, like you say, we, we talked about what's a change for Sunday. McBurney might be the man to go there up against Evans. It, it, it will depend on I think, I'm fairly sure uh, Luke Freeman will start, but um, whether Flex fit or not, it's just whether Robinson's fit or not. Yeah. Like you said, there's every chance the goal could drop out from McBurney, giving a bit more of a focal point. Mm. I think we might need more of a focal point this weekend than perhaps we did it, uh, against Palace. But I mean, it, in terms of personnel, Personnel. When we played them the other year in the cup away, we had a team that had like Lafferty and Carruthers in central midfield, and we gave them a bloody good game. And they they were they had a lot of those players playing that night. Now obviously they're completely different. They won't be looking forward to coming to Bramall It's Saturday three o'clock, which is going to be something that we'll enjoy. So it's not going to happen an awful lot. Um, and who knows? I mean, the draw is a fantastic result. A win is an unreal result. I mean, yeah, a win you match your hand off with a draw for uh, on Saturday really would. It would be a great result. Madison's the one that worries me. I think as much as the antics when he played for Norwich the other year, he's a brilliant footballer. He's the one for me who England needs centrally to actually pick forward passes out. But I think long term he'll be a very, very. John Monstrum. <laughs> Digressing a little bit though, just quickly, while well, you just mentioned England, squads get announced on Thursday. Realistically, anybody? Henderson, potentially. Henderson, I, I think right now, as we, as we sit here right now, 
maybe a different a question for another six months' time, but right now I think Henderson is the only one that's... Yeah, agreed. The, 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 one, the one that I think you might be referring to, I'm going to talk about, might refer to in a later session. Okay. But I think I've got, I think there's someone else who is, is in my under underrated players, but we'll come on to that later. Absolutely. So, yeah, part two is now halfway done. We've looked at Leicester. We like to have a prediction, so let's guess, Luke, what do you reckon? Uh, I can't come on for my debut for Blades in a pub and not predict a win, so I'm going 2 1 United. I don't think we'll stop them scoring. Yes? I've got a bad feeling, I'm going to say we'll lose 2 1. I just fear, I think we'll score, I think we'll get past the defence, but I do worry about their attacking intent. I think we'll score as well, I'm going to go 1 1 draw. Um, I'm going to say 1 0 United for Burnley. Slight, slightly less uh, ambitious than last week's prediction there, but you know. I've got to keep them guessing here. <laughs> <laughs> and that concludes part 2. Concluded part 2. We semi concluded part 2, this is part 2B. So, well, not to be. That is the crowd. See, 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 it was noticeable on Monday night with under 23s. It was a very young side put out, and then we heard today that we fielded a what looked to be a reasonably strong team in a behind closed doors friendly against Manchester United. And it makes you wonder if that's the way we go a little bit more this season with these kind of games to give players competitive game time. We've got a 24 man squad of, of players. We talked about it last podcast, I think, mm. where you try and pick a, an 18, and it's really difficult. Yeah. So there's no reason why you can't play a So have every other all nine team of the other teams yeah. in the Premier League. Yeah. So if you've got a team such as Man United, where we've apparently got a reasonable relationship with them and a bit of respect there, we should we should take advantage of that. And we've still got seven or eight players seven or eight new players to come in that are still learning the ropes and yeah. still learning a very sort of bespoke and unique system. Mm-hmm. Only Robinson started out of all the new players. Yeah. I mean, you made an interesting point earlier though about these behind closed doors friends, didn't you? Yeah, it'd be interesting to know how, how they sort of work, what, what's the sort of dynamic, is it sort of just a glorified training session, is it a, for all intents and purposes, a, a reserve game? They'll have got agreements, won't they? No, no silly tackles and, and stuff like that, I'm sure of it. That's the last thing they want. Man United have got a really strong side out as well, haven't they? Well, they said um, Wilder, when he first came in, the big thing was, oh, it's full contact training. There's a difference isn't it, though, between full contact and being a dick. Yeah. I think obviously this, the, the sort of news of this one's leaked for want of a better description, aren't they? But I'd, I'd be surprised if, it, if they're not a lot more regular than than you learn about. Because there's, there's no reserve football anymore, is there? There's only no, under 23, and, you, and you're limited in limited in how many over 23 players you can play in them. And you want. And obviously, you want that to serve its purpose of development in its own right. Yeah. I, mean, I, I do wonder how players like Matic, Small, and Jones, Mata, Sanchez go on in a behind closed doors friendly. Yeah. How much effort are they putting in? Well, you know, Sanchez will play a full, put full effort in, in a <laughs> full first team full game. First team game in the Premier but League. That, I mean, the side they fielded yesterday was incredibly strong on paper. But that, it's an interesting point. You know, what, what, how do they, how do you define, you know? 
where do you draw the line? Even more strangely, kind of Matter was on the pitch at Wolves, wasn't yeah. Same on, 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 uh, as our team, but Bernie plays, he scored, yeah. and he, he played for us on Sunday. Well, it's good to see people getting minutes. Um, I mean, if you look at the team, like, uh, the team we fielded could well be that cup team next week. It's got every chance, yeah. More in goal, Freeman, Jags, Steers, Brian and Osborne, Besic, Morrison, Moussa, Sharp and Bernie. McBurney, sorry. Um, um, yeah. And it's you know that's an interesting forward line, isn't it? Playing three of them up front. Moose play behind, maybe I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen him play. He's yet. do some running to get that backside down. But yeah, <laughs> just the rest of fine on it. But you know that's, that's you know if we'd have fielded that side in the championship, we'd have You you would like to think that side has enough to get past Blackburn. Yeah. Well, I watched a bit of Blackburn last night. And uh, if they're pushing for playoffs, well, we no, wonder, no wonder when he top the league. Like when we went there last season and they had that fantastic home record, and we absolutely played them off the park. Mm. You know, we were outstanding that night. Um, that was the full side, though. Started was. No, 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 <laughs> sorry. You're right there. You're right there. Yeah. Are we boring you? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, that was the whole side, though. It started well, but they went and won out east. It's a funny old game in the championship, though, isn't it? And like, there's, there's a lot of teams where there's still going to be mistakes. And uh, the one thing to consider is we are now a scout. There is that. It's true, yeah. Another question is, oh, do we want a cup run? I think we maybe do. not this season. I think we do at some point if we play in the if, Premier League. If, if I was to pick and choose, it would be the FA Cup. Starts a bit later in the season, we might be a bit more comfortable in the table. I think we're looking relatively safe. By the time January, you can probably throw a bit more at the FA Cup. Yeah. I, I, I'm and, that, and that's my point about want, not wanting one, I think. I, yeah. I want this for two reasons. Firstly, it will help the squad. Um, we might get an exciting away game or an exciting derby out of it. I mean, some people don't want to play Wednesday, I'm one of them. But one, of these, one of these lower league neighbours. Yeah, but it, you know, imagine. We, we need we, to be bothering ourselves with these lower league clubs now. But, but that 11, Blackburn would want most of those players in their side, so they should have enough. Yeah. And it get, keeps the, keep people fresh, and it gives me something to do on a Tuesday <laughs> up until Christmas to stop me getting stressed from work, so I'll bring it on. We're, well, only, f- we're only five matches, uh, four matches down on five, six matches down yeah. on what we usually have, aren't we? So we need to keep the football coming. And I'm, I've always been of the view as well that even when we've been doing well pushing promotion, I don't like. I don't want to go to a match and see us lose. No, 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 no one see that. I, I always think you should go out to win a game. And yeah. I remember the Barnet game just pissed me off. I mean, we've, already, last season. we've already equaled our greatest week up run under Wilder by being in the second round. <laughs> 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 yeah, like the so Bar- I suppose that's a bit of progress. Yeah. I want to see us compete. You know, and that the Barnet game. We, we, I don't want to dwell on too much, but you know that really frustrated the hell out of me that day because that's a winnable cup game. We've become a scalp. And, well, and then at, the t- at the same time, when we were sort of heading into the run-in last season and, and there was teams in and around us who were playing yeah. on Tuesday and Wednesday night, and you were looking and thinking, I'm, I'm glad we're not playing tonight. Yeah, but, I'm not, that, that's the difference with our squad this season, that we can field that 11 that we just seen there, that we just listed there, and, and it's a different way. We, we couldn't have done a field of the team at that level without raiding the first team last season. John's right away, he said it, it gives the, these players that haven't played a minute yet the opportunity to play some proper competitive football. And I don't want us to lose, I'm not suggesting I do by any stretch, but all I'm saying is I think when we really need to focus on what's important, which is staying up, 
I think Wilder likes to use, I think Wilder particularly likes to use them as a go out there and put your hand up. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's why he was so disappointed after Barber, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Well, so, that, that was... That, that's that, and Blackburn, I think we'll win that game. Well, then, pretty, pretty, pretty prediction, Joe? 3-0. 3-0? Phil? Uh, 2-0. 2-0. Luke? 3-1. Two, 2-1 two, from me. So, four wins there, I think. Four wins from four blades in a pub, so, you know, I don't think yeah. we've ever yeah. been overly that positive, so, yeah. Look forward to it. Alright, and that's the end of part end 2B. Of part, part 2B over. Actual end of part 2. Yeah, I think this is officially the end of part 2. Thank you. Welcome back, part 3. Uh, subject for part 3, we're going to talk about who do we think our most underrated player in the squad. Uh, John, who do you reckon? Who are you going to go for? Oh, it's a very, very, very difficult one. Um, because we're in a position where all the players are held in such high regard, really, apart from maybe one who the other day, now everyone's, you know, everyone's favourite all of a sudden. Uh, but in terms of what he actually contributes on the pitch and what doesn't get, he doesn't get mentioned enough, I'm going to go with Egan. That's a good call, because yeah. I think... Um, the way we play, he has to marshal the defence. I don't think I've ever seen him lose a header. He's got a calmness and an assuredness about him, which is like Morgan-esque. When, and they were talking about somebody who played for the club for however many games, and Morgan was a bit erratic as well, so that's probably not a very good comparison. But like real Rolls Royce, and not, like he's one of those where I often pinch myself. How the fuck do we get him for five million pounds? If you look at his current market, the guy was an absolute oh, steal. An absolute steal. What did um, what did that pillock from Leeds go to Brentford for? Oh, a lot more than that. A lot more than that. A lot more than Webster went for 20, 25 million, was it? Mm. Speaking of pillocks and, and John Egan in the same sort of conversation, how the hell does Richard Keogh keep him out the island side? Oh, no idea. Well, yeah. Keogh's passionate though, isn't he? He's a, he's a passionate one, and, but he's also garbage. Yeah, he's bang average. And he, he, I don't know. I, he was, well, he, he's gone from playing for a long time. Probably got to be picture of Mick McCarthy in the back of the dog or something, you know. Right, <laughs> So yeah, Egan for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the one thing I've seen on Egan, and I, someone, someone made a point on it today, it's like you say, it's that assuredness, the way he's just, he's, he's stepped up, like, it's only two games up, but he doesn't look like he's never played, you know. I can't remember him missing a header yet this season. No, I, really I don't think you can underestimate the role he plays with the, the whole overlapping centre-back. Yeah. He's the one that's marshalling it, he's the one that's telling Jack to go when he goes and Chris to stay at home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he's a bloody lovely man. And I adore him. So. You had a lovely embrace with him. Uh, and I, do love, I, do, I do love John. So. <laughs> Luke? My underrated player is probably one that I've underrated myself over the course of the last four or five seasons, and that's Chris Basham. I think Every single season I, that we start, I think to myself, you look at the team and you think Basham's probably a weak link. And every single season he just seems to get better and better and better as we've stepped up levels we've gone up into the championship and you think can we, can we bring in a better centre half or somebody that can replace Bash and every season he's just got better and better and better and even at the start of this season you were thinking you were looking at the squad and thinking that right centre back spot is probably one where we ought to be we said it on the pod I was, was, was disappointed <coughs> to have not got someone in and he, he's such an ungainly unorthodox footballer he doesn't 
seems to do things by accident, but it's obviously not accident. It's obviously by design. He's obviously a very good footballer. You know he's got one in him, don't you? That, that, that's fast. You know that he's going to shake well, it out just, play one well, game. He just seems or... to maraud down the wing with the ball at his feet and travel 60, 70 yards past two players and at no point does he ever seem to be in control of it. But yeah. he, <laughs> he obviously is. Just as I, I think for me, the, the thing that kind of sums up Bash perfectly is 96 minutes, 45 seconds or whatever it was on Sunday when he tracked back and he had no right to come back and whip that ball away. I have no idea. Was it Joel Ward that, that was dilly-dallying on the yeah. ball? I have no idea what he was trying to do, but fashion just mugged him, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it was the chase back. Yeah. You know, he, it was interesting when I watched it back later on the, on the highlights. He, he was 10, 15 yards behind that. Mm. And fair enough, yeah, there was a dilly-dally on the ball. But he, he got the the passion, the drive, the energy at that stage of the game. And then get the back. crowd going as well. And then just, yeah, the response is brilliant. brilliant. Uh, as well, with like, the interview with Michael Brown on my Radio 5 live daily podcast when they were United, he was saying, oh, I've, got a, I've got myself a personal trainer this summer because usually I'm able to go on holiday, have beer and that, and I didn't want to do, I did that, but I wanted to also be Premier League ready. The yeah. guys, even before that, it was he's an absolute machine. He looks as though did he's finished the runs 90 minutes. It? It's been, he looks as though he could, could play for another 90. Did mm. you see the runs they did in Portugal? Did, that yeah. video miles, where he's doing miles the run. Ahead, I think he won by half a football pitch. They were doing this run, however many laps around. I think he might be 10 laps around the pitch and he ran by he's half. He's knocking on door 30, isn't he? He's not, in his face. Yeah. yeah. But, fantastic. And uh, if you've got him on Instagram, there was a fantastic video uh, on the Sunday after Bournemouth. Where he's filming his son playing, going to feed the ducks, and his son volleys this duck, and the passion <laughs> just laughs, which is well worth looking at if you haven't, if you haven't seen it. Unless, unless you're part of the uh, RSPB. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, uh, it's on, on Four Blades in a Pub, we don't condone the cruelty for any animals. Uh, or, or birds. Or birds, or birds for that matter. Except owls. Yeah, except owls, yeah. except owls. Or unless it's for our own amusement, like that was. So. Yeah. Right. Um, I kind of hinted this earlier when we talked about Phil asked about players who might make that step up towards the England squad, and I think it's interesting because I think he's capable. I think his role at the club, and we kind of touched on this last week because it's such a unique role they play, and it's similar to Basham. Is Jack O'Connell in in a world where Championship defenders are being talked about as 20, 25 million pound defenders? And yes, he was linked with Brighton in the past, but really. Does, I don't get the sense that anyone outside of the family don't, yeah, they didn't get talked about in the same way and, and, and I really struggle to see it you know he, he's comfortable with the ball at his feet he progresses forward he can cross the ball but not with that he does a fantastic job defensively yeah. you know he, he, like with Egan yeah I think you're right Egan Marshalls Basham and O'Connell um, Baldock and Stevens, wonderfully you know to get the balance right dragging away but Jack's role in that defence, the number of tackles, the number of headers he wins, it's, it's phenomenal. He works so hard, doesn't he? Yeah. He's such a... Although, I was a little disappointed with him on Sunday, letting Benteke get past him. I think he might have just slipped slightly. Oh, that, that, really that, yeah. was, that was when Basham did walk over his like... Is if there's such things as a hospital header. <laughs> then it, but like the header for Basham, I think caught Jack out almost with like, what the fuck are you doing there? <laughs> oh shit, Ben, that's okay. He dealt with it. I think Luke alluded to it when I asked the question about England. 
Maybe not yet. Yeah. But if we're still performing to a high level and he's still playing yeah. well, well it's 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 now. Name, me, name me another English left footer. Well, I'm going to ask who plays left footer three. Because we do play McDyer plays left footer three for England. Right. Oh, yeah, because Stones has been playing in the middle, hasn't he? With Walker on the right. Yeah, yeah. The players that have made the England squad at centre half, like Tarkowski, people who've been talked about for 40, 50 million, dunk. Yeah. Okay. He's not a million miles behind him. I think no. he's certainly better than Alfie Moore. I think the only thing that mine that mine hamper O'Connor's progression to England is is the specialist role he plays and whether the likes of Southgate look at that and does he stand out because he plays a role that he wouldn't be asked to play at uh, I was going to think he was there watching or do you think he was just watching the game because he lives in Yorkshire I think he'll be at Bramall in a lot of seasons yeah. because we're his nearest premiership ground probably are but you've got um, yeah, well you've got Henderson yeah. Jack Bash. There's Good an article on the BBC. Is it one of the? Uh, is it Butland that's been? Oh, but, Butland's not going to get not going to yeah. get called up. Butland, Butland's dropped another bollock tonight. Has he? Yeah, what's one straight through him tonight again? Wow. Under his arm. Well, and he said, last season, he said last season that Henderson was on his radar, but he needed to be playing in the Premier League. I think Henderson will get called up this week. And then you've got surprise me. So obviously you've got then yeah, Jack Baldock. No, <laughs> No, well, neither, like, the, the English players playing in the Premier League club. He's not going to be looking at Joel Ward, is he? Well, no. our, our Sam, you know, our Sam makes some outlandish suggestions sometimes. He's convinced that he was there watching Lundstrom. At half time, he was telling me this one. Oh, oh okay, now. <laughs> uh, we'll get Sam's corner in soon. Uh, to give you a preview, uh, he once claimed that John Fleck had been really good at centre back. Not the left overlapping one, the middle of the three in the pub. He'd had half a pint of blonde. Was that the same day that he suggested our next manager should be Joey Barton? You see, (laughs) Phil's given them all away. Uh, But yeah, uh, he he, he was in a rich vein of form towards the end of last season. Well, to finish this section off nicely, Phil, well, not finish this section off, the underrated... Well, I'm going to go go a little bit left field, because I think most United fans love him. But I think he's overrated, underrated, should I say, uh, in general by the, the mainstream media and certainly his last two clubs. And I'm going to say Oliver Norwood. The fact he's never played in the Premier League is just beyond me. How Brighton has thought that they could do without him for the last two seasons after getting promoted. That pass on Sunday, and he tried it again ten minutes later. Honestly, Paul Pogba would have played that, they'd have been raving well, about it. It's not a fluke, is it? It's not a fluke, is it? He does it regularly. He did it against France, didn't he? Basham did it on Sunday. That match of the day too didn't even show it. I can't, I can't quite yeah. believe that. It, it, if Bulldog had, a, had a knocked that across first time and McBurnie got on the end of it, you'd... Goal of the season, that yeah. pass is just... But like you say, he does it a lot. It's almost as if he knows when he picks the ball up in that area, he puts it into a, a, into a place where it's... There's a good chance that Baldock or Basham is going to be running onto it. But it's not just his passing ability, he breaks play up, he wins his tackles, he wins his headers, he's quite an aggressive player and you don't realise it. He's obviously got something about him for a while with giving him the captaincy as well. How he's, how he's never played in the Premier League, that's the early, is beyond me. And the fact he's retired from international duty yesterday as well just gives more to us. Of a, of a player I think should be here could be here for years and years and years and will go down as one of United's greatest ever players if we stay in the Premier League I, I, I can't remember a better technical footballer in the United shirt for me but yeah. I'm a little older than you sort of right at the start of my United going day so I was probably a bit too young to appreciate what I was watching but 
probably only recall. Yeah, yeah. Most close in terms of it. Gordon Cowan's recall as, as, as that kind of midfielder yeah. with the comfort of but catching the ball and, and the ease on the ball. I don't think either of those have really dominated the game. I don't think they've dominated the game in all like no I suppose they got them both of them at the end of the career. Yeah, was a role, Cowan was a joy to watch. He was just that, like, the, that, that, that pass and those passes we've now seen for the last 12 months, it's, it's different to anything we've seen. And it's funny, like all throughout the summer, people were questioning various players we've got. And Norwood was one that kept coming up because it must be a bloody reason. Okay, does he do that 90 minutes every week? Did he have 90 minutes every week? I said, of course he doesn't. So if he did that, he'd be playing. He, he would be playing at Man United and they would have never let him go yeah, at exactly. 16. Do you know, a mate of mine, the Middlesbrough fan, he texted me at, uh, during the game on Sunday. He said, My God, that pass from Norwood was incredible. That's got to be a fluke. And I responded saying, mate, he does it a lot. I guarantee you he'll try it again this game. And what did he do ten minutes later? And that nearly stayed in as well. And I think that was actually a, could have been a better ball because I think... I don't, I don't know the answer. Did he, did he play in a three in midfield before? Is he, is he, is he being given the well, sort he did, of he did back role? Well, yeah. McDonald uh, well, was more of the deeper one. Yeah, it, no, it was, he, Kearney was behind Mitrovic. It was... Um, it was the guy who went on loan to West Brom. Was it Jorgensen who went to West Brom last year? And uh, McDonald were in with him. So they had a tackle. Oh, yeah. Was it Hansen? Yeah. 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 West Brom yeah. had yeah. a yeah. last season. But yeah, like. Phenomenal player. I, I, um, I had an exchange of emails this week when it was announced with a colleague who follows Northern Ireland all over Europe, and he was absolutely devastated. What, do you, no think, what do you think that is? Do you think well, he just wants to concentrate on Premier League football? They, they think he's crackers. I, I, I pose the question. He, he got them. He, he went to the Euros with them. They missed out on the World Cup. Does he now take a view that even though they've had a good start to qualifiers now, I've done a European Championship, and actually, I'll be honest, I don't think next year's European Championship is going to have the same feel about it, with it being all over, all over the place. They've got a tough group. Yeah, okay. they've got a tough group. They're not, they made a good start, but they've got some tough games. Is he taking a view that actually the pinnacle of my career is Euro 2016? And actually, I'm not going to better that internationally. Like pinnacle of his career is playing in the Premier League. Oh, sorry, pinnacle, yeah. yeah. What I mean, pinnacle of his international career. career and yeah. I'm never, he's never going to better that. And so I'll why spend, not focus on... And I'll spend those four weekends a year with my family. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I've got a family yeah. as well, I mean. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, playing with that hernia last year, maybe, it's like just thinking, give him a, put my body through it a bit. It's not like as well, if you reconsider, he's not going to be told no. Yeah, I did find um, one, I can't remember where I read it, something I found quite amusing the other day, an, an Ireland fan cynically saying that he's trying to hold out to get to uh, play for England in a couple of years if he can leave it long enough. <laughs> well, maybe that's why Strange. Gareth was there. Strange, <laughs> stranger things have happened in football or in international sport. You can speculate, but I'm sure he's got his reasons. Yes. Well, but so, we've talked about most underrated. Who do you reckon is our most valuable player right now? Financially valuable player. I mean, valuable to United. I mean, who's worth the most money? The belongs to us. Mm. Yeah, because Emerson, I think. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, Ollie McBurney, apparently, but I'd probably say O'Connell or Egan. I agree. Maybe Stevens if he was 25, not 28, 29. Yeah. I think O'Connell has got age on his side a little bit, so I think the potential of O'Connell is worth. A bit more, but uh, I think, like you said, John Egan certainly that's a good shout. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't disagree with O'Connell. You look at what what the market value is of a relatively young commanding English centre half. Yeah, they're going for silly money. Yeah. I think what'll be interesting is if we ask this question again on a pod 
maybe January time. I mean, look at it was it Dunk that moved? Yeah. yeah. For what twenty million was it? Ridiculous. If 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 Rubble Morrison gets into the team <laughs> and stays yeah. in the team for. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about seeing that. I think we'll be on the bench worth, at the weekend. That's worth 15, that's worth 15 quid of anyone's money on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. To touch quickly back on tone of value, I think United missed a real trick with the uh, Blackburn game last week for the six week holidays. Yeah. I think they should open all stands, charge adults a fiver and kids a quid, and they could have really had a decent crowd out. So has it got to be agreed by both teams? Possibly in a cup, usually is, isn't it? But no, as in the FA Cup. Yeah. I guarantee there'll be. I reckon there'll be nine thousand there. And if you judge that, I think what that's I ambitious. said. I think that's but if they well, even if you say charge what I said, it might be twenty-four. If you get a lot of kids, you sell a lot more programs, a lot more beer, a lot more contactless pints, and uh, <laughs> a lot more stuff in the club shop. But that's, especially in the absence of a home friendly. And, uh, and stuff, and they also could have used it as a night with all these people talking about wanting to become new supporters, encourage them to come down, set them up on the system, explain how it's going to work for buying tickets, and done all sorts of stuff. Yeah, but we, then we, again, the opportunities isn't there, I guess. There we, is, but there's also a very short turnaround. But then the other argument is the League Cup second round was always coming, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I do wonder. We seem to, I'm not sure what's going on operationally with ticket office. I don't think anyone can complain with the points thing, which I understand is Premier League driven. You know, if you've been coming to a few games, you can get 150 for the Blackburn game, so to get 200, 500 shouldn't be that difficult. They've and 100 for membership. Yeah, I didn't read two, the article. To 200, and, and you get 100 for membership, think, 150 for coming to Blackburn. So. I think the only legitimate kicking you can give the club over that is that it, it maybe locks the door on young kids. Yes. I think the rest of it's. Particularly but, but you know, I think fair, but understandable. But they seem to have left selling these tickets quite late as well, which seems a bit odd. Yeah. But you know, we, we, we talked about this, didn't we? Rick? As much as the social media side of what they're doing down at Bramall Lane seems really good at the moment, some of the decision making and the lateness of some of the decisions seem a little bit. We're, we're up. I know we've been up against it this summer with a lot of things, haven't we? But yeah. Yeah, some of the decisions could have been announced. Obviously, well, this leads nice into my moan of the week, but. Um, the big, the big thing for me is like there's a side to it which is not helpful, and that is like the vitriol that gets thrown towards a club on Twitter. And whoever the staff puppets who knocks up a fake board with incorrect beer pricing and plastered it all over Twitter. That's weird, that, isn't it? Unless it's like, the it could be the way. Well, could it could it be for the Rod Stewart concert? Like, there's there's some people who deserve policing. You go and see Rod Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> More I, hope sense. That it, I hope that it's the away end, or that it's the Rod Stewart concert. Yeah. So whoever's done that, you need to get a life. This is your football. I think, I think it's I think it's worth just just generally taking a step back sometimes, and, and the people that are making these decisions and, and the operational side of it, they've they've had to step up as well, and they're going into something where they're dealing with thirty-two thousand people, two and a half thousand away fans, and mm. there's going to be teething problems, and the. Yeah, it's a fair point. You know, yeah, it's a fair point. point. I mean, I'll be the first to say, you know, as, as paying customers as much as fans, you're allowed to have an opinion and criticise. But there's a number of things, people just finding things to whinge about, from kids sponsored on shirts to whatever. It's just painful. Let's not go too much into okay, the well, about our supporters, and I think that concludes part three very well. Right then, guys. Um, time for me to have a little whinge so 
uh, called this JB's Moan of the Week. Now, it's not going to be a regular feature, hopefully, but something that's really started to annoy me is um, this sort of unwritten thing where if anybody speaks badly of Sheffield United in any way, shape or form, they should be chastised or something like that. Now, examples of this include somebody complaining that the montage for the start of that video package on Match of the Day 2 actually featured some blast furnaces from Scunthorpe rather than Sheffield. <laughs> now, I'm not being funny. Another one with Mark Schwarzer getting, like, grief the other week when he's... If a, if a pundit says that Sheffield United are going to get relegated because they don't think that they're good enough for the Premier League because they think they're 17 better teams than them, that's fine. If somebody predicts that Crystal Palace will beat Sheffield United because they think the match winner will be Wilfred Zihar, that's fine. You don't need to, like, take everything so bloody personally that they're having a go. Now, I know this sounds really, really ironic since we did a full section on poor punditry, but this sort of blady bladeness and this is, oh, I won't have you say anything badly against Sheffield United, it's almost starting to take a little bit of shine off about well everything's going at the minute. We've gone too far with yeah. it, haven't we? How, how do we feel on it? Well, the, the lazy punditry point is the key point. Their plays for punditry, and I think what we were picking up last week was the fact that it's unfounded comments mm. that we struggle with, where they clearly haven't watched us play and would criticise. I mean, there was a point on, on Sunday, on my today, where Kale talked, Tim Kale talked for a while, didn't really say a great deal, but actually then talked about us kicking teams and roughing teams up a bit. Oh, and I was there'll, like, there'll be a bit of that. There'll be a bit of that, right? Also, play football and maybe win. Yeah. Fucking hell, Tim, cheers. <laughs> don't but, 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 just laugh at how bad he is at his job. I don't mean, need to. Like, yeah, it, it was like, it was just a bit, you think, and I, I think anyone who, you know, who doesn't, who's getting paid a lot of money to offer an opinion who has no founding that opinion deserves calling out. But yeah, you're right, there's, there's stuff that people are coming out with, which is, and let's be honest, a lot of our fans would say similar things in the past. Some of this, there's a degree of hypocrisy in that some of the things we're criticising people for. I think we've, some got, of things we've got that pressure. I think that's probably the best yeah. way of describing it, haven't they? One of my favourite things to do is wait for something remotely derogatory to be said about United and then go on the Facebook groups and just see how irate people have got about it. <laughs> Those Facebook groups are great, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, shall I not post a link on there this week? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I, I, you know, I think, I think the extremes of it really annoying. So, for example, if we lose on Saturday and um, Wilder makes a sub, which I think bollocks, I might tweet that Wilder got it wrong. Some idiot will tweet me back saying you can't slag him off, think of what he's done for us. Now, I'm not being funny. If a bloke was a came home from work and Wilder was putting one through his missus in the bed, I reckon he'd be annoyed. I'd be hard talking in. <laughs> but the point I'm tra- the point I'm trying to make is like you can be a big fan and you can be really proud and really passionate and support your club. You don't have to be like Well, I mean it's like you don't I, have to be so bloody offended by it. Throw it back to the Lundstrom thing. In the past, and I and I think I've, I've mentioned it when I wrote a bit of the chapter for Danny Hall's book, I commented at a point in my season where I said Norwood, Fleck and Lundstrom should play the same midfield again. I'll hold my hand up to that because actually the way we it goes back to what I was saying, the way we were playing with Lundstrom in that structure wasn't working, wasn't effective and we weren't good enough. 
that that was my opinion, and I stand by that at the time. We're playing a different way now. You're basing that on but, but, having watched the team with those three players in, aren't you? Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm and you're entitled to it. Exactly, and it was an opinion, and I stand by that opinion at that point in time. People, but, going, but, but people are going like, you can never have signed Lundstrom off in your life, because Chris knows best. I always uh, knew he was as good as this, and now he's proving you all wrong. You didn't know, because you've not seen him play. Because <laughs> I've seen him play every game he's played for United. And I came to the conclusion that he wasn't quite good enough. It doesn't mean I'm a bad fan, and it doesn't mean I have any bad wishes on him. No. And I'm getting... You can probably hear the anger in my voice. <laughs> He's gone bright red for them. Obviously, <laughs> nobody can see him right now. He's got steam coming out of his ears. I'm having a sip of this lovely, hazy uh, IPA. <laughs> but it's true, we, we, we have got, really, probably overly touchy about that. I, I said it, I said it after the, after the la- on the last pod. The, the one that summed it up for me was Lineker's failed joke about calling yeah. it Wednesday. He was just dicking about on the back of a Twitter conversation he had the day before, and it didn't land. Tweet in the week. I, mean, I think, some, it, I think some of it boils down to there's so much media scrutiny from the Premier League. And because we're in the Premier League now, there's so much to read and watch and see and listen to and, and digest. Someone's going to get offended by something, and everybody's got a platform, and everybody wants to give their opinion on somebody else's opinion. And it becomes a pile on, and it's not it a pleasurable yeah. pile no. on, like a razzle one. Bloody hell. A razzle pile on. Remember when you spam porn in bushes? Anyway, I digress. That was me. Humour in today's irreverent. Well, like yeah. this, this whole idea of this whole idea of um, moaning and stuff. I just let's just just enjoy it and like like Luke said, get on the Facebook group and just piss yourself for five minutes. Just don't be that person. Like it's bladey bladeness of the worst sort, and we all hate bladey bladeness, don't we? So that's my moan of the week. If you really disagree with me, get in touch, but you won't get a direct response from me. It'll be whoever runs the uh, Twitter account, and it'll be completely partisan response. But um, yeah, it's just something I thought I'd bring up because I feel like I can't now have a balanced opinion. What we're going to do when someone says, "Oh yeah, Man City will beat Sheffield United five 0 we're going to burn his car down. Poor bloke. Anyway, that concludes part four, and we're going to finish on a more optimistic note than that. Final section then, the infamous Hall of Fame. So, uh, I've still not decided what's going in this week. What went in last week, by the way? Oh, it, Billy Sharp. Just a fat lad from Sheffield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All of the above. <laughs> Didn't conduct the, poll, uh, the polls, it would have been the landslide. So, as guest, Luke, You've got a very special opportunity to actually get one up on Dan, who's not here tonight. Has Dan won one yet? This would be ironic if he won. Arguably our most Vote popular Luke. member Vote amongst Luke. the Twitter community. <laughs> actually, saying that, I did get a shout out on S24 issue. S64 Blade, you're £10 in the post, pal. <laughs> I did read that, actually. <laughs> well, for my Hall of Fame nomination, I'm going a little bit off-piste and against the grain of it being something famous and from history and I'm doing something from the modern day and that is Holly McBurney's socks. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we kind of touched on it earlier and I've not seen a lot of Holly McBurney but when Paul Coots left there was a slot, a vacancy opened up for my favourite player <laughs> and Holly McBurney is, is staking a claim 
Did you advertise? Oh, sorry? Did you advertise? There's like a faded square on my wall where the, where the, where the Paul Coots poster come down. And I'm just waiting for somebody to... You're going to get a panini spot. sticker soon, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, and the reasoning for it is I've only seen various fleeting moments of Ollie McBurney play and I just love watching him. The way he just prowls around like an, an angry lion biting at everybody and just chasing anything that moves. And the whole, the whole appearance of him from the waist down with the, with the shorts and socks that are far too small for him just makes it even more brilliant. I did read something, um, I can't remember whether it was when he was still in Swansea or after he died. He tried to find the smallest shin pad he can find so that he can wear his socks as low down as he possibly can. I'm pretty sure they are children's socks. <laughs> Every chance, isn't it? Although we have given uh, Grealish. Oh, it's, 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 it's incredibly oh, hypocritical because when he was playing against us, I, I kind of looked at him and thought that tramp needs to get some socks on. But, but, but now he's playing for us, I'm, I'm all in favour of it. Fair do. I like that. Solid shout. Ian? Um, my shout is. Uh, probably seems a bit odd when we've got someone with the artistic talents of uh, Luke here with us tonight, but it's something that has, has come to an end now this season, given United have actually put up a, a proper sign that announces the next fixture, but I, I would like to nominate whoever it was who used to get out their Sharpie pens, a sheet of A3, and announce the next fixture and paste it to the wall. On, Bramal, uh, on Shoreham Street, either on the corner or further up by the uh, the turnstile towards Cherry Street. I don't know who it was. I, I, it, 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 I often sat there wondering, is it, is it the club? You know, I'm not I, sure I, if that's I, an NFL thing, you know. What, to, to paste it up in such an amateurish <laughs> way? <laughs> to, with fat bubble writing capitals? I mean, it was just... I did wonder, you know, is it the fact that we've now got Ches Wage off the door, we can afford to put a proper sign up, and that the, the, YTS lad, the YTS lad in the box office no longer has to uh, spend his lunch hours writing out next week's fixtures. But whatever it was, it used to make me soft. It felt tin pot. I quite liked it. I quite like the, the you know, it was a, it was a little bit of a throwback to yesterday. Yeah, it? it was yeah, absolutely. And I, I like it. And now and we've I'm gone now we've gone too far. Now, we, now, we've, now, we've, now we've gone like old draw a deep there with a big sign. Both corners of the coffin are both on both corners because we don't know no, we walk. There's, there's, there's one on the John Street. I have Shoreham Street corner, I think. Oh, there's, there's one. I think there's one on Cherry Street. Yeah. I think uh-huh. there is. But yeah, so it's it, it, it's like gone that. now. But it, it for a while it was just it just left me wondering every week who is it. And if it's not anyone to do with the club, fair play. But why? What? Can you not find a sock or something to play with? I don't know. But anyway, that's just my thought. Fair do. I, I, I think that's. I mean, that's okay. I think there's, there's, there's further investigative journalism, journalism to be done there. We need to do find some out. digging. Yeah. Who, who, and why? We'll pass it on to Dan Hayes or someone at the start. That could probably make a story out of it. Yeah. I'm going for a player. And I, I'm not going for this particular player because he's got a song that every so often on away days gets started off. And I'm not going for him because he's our mate Alan Pickard's favourite ever Sheffield United player. As he'll tell you every single time. I'm going for him because of a particular goal celebration. And I'm going for Bobby Ford. <laughs> now I'm going to take you back to... Not living his best life at the minute, Bobby, apparently. By all accounts he isn't, no. But December 1999... December 1999, we played a replay away at Rushton and Diamonds and we won on penalties. And I don't think you've seen this gift lying around before. 
But you see a guy celebrating running away from a goal, and it's actually Marcus Bent scoring the winning penalty in that penalty shootout against Russian Diamonds. And then you see someone dive past him, completely missing, and kind of celebrating. And that's actually Bobby Ford celebrating us winning that penalty shootout against Russian Diamonds. I think we should sweep that out from the account later. Yeah, that's, so people that's can fully appreciate that. That's definitely a visual nomination. Um, very, very good. I'd that, yeah. Forget, forget. Sorry, YTS sign writing, boys. Oh. I'm voting for Phil's already, but go on. Sorry, oh, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, Bobby Ford. We do often, if uh, give a fancy joining, uh, well, three of the four blades in the pub. Often go on coaches with Mr. Picard, and uh, those of you being on Alan's coaches, or maybe be lucky enough if you've got enough loyalty points to go home on this season, um, you'll hear him singing about Bobby Ford win, lose or draw. And even when we've just been promoted or anything like that, when there's more important things to think about, Alan will always bring it back to Bobby Ford, but that gift is outstanding. Uh, my nomination is just a comical thing in a player from yesteryear. Uh, and it's not only a player, but what I never saw him do, and that was Ian Rush when we had him, and he never did the warm-up. And he played four games for United, all at home, and he never warmed up for any of them. And I just had a vision, a vision, because he, he came in like January time, to be in Rush, in the Bramall Aging Room, hugging the radiator, all the way up till two minutes to three. Like, like Terry Wayne. But like with, but with a really frosty tash, <laughs> you know, like, a, like a comical one. Just shaking and then going, oh, I've got to go out there. <laughs> I think we got him on loan from Newcastle. Yeah. Um, absolute dog shit. Like, maybe, maybe he warmed up with a glass of warm milk or something, you know. We know really all the stories about like Paul McGraw laying in the hot bath until five to three. At least he turned up. Yeah. I just reckon Not Rushy... for every game he didn't. Apparently Walsall we refused to play because he had a bath. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. But, uh, yeah, I can just imagine, uh, imagine Rushy there, like, hugging the radiator, so, you know, always found it amusing. Uh, not had it in, in recent years as much, but when we used to get, like, golden oldies coming down, I mean, honourable mentions in there, I remember once, like, Tommy Robinson. Uh, Tommy, Tommy Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> He's never been to play now. He was a decent right winger, I heard. Tommy Johnson. <laughs> I remember Warnock played top 37-year-old Tommy Johnson on the right wing for about half an hour uh, in a home game once. But yeah, Ian Rush and his lack of warm-up. So there are your options. Ian Rush's lack of warm-up. Luke's favourite player. Oh, no, no, no. Ollie McBurney's socks. Ollie McBurney's socks to fill in for Luke's uh, coots-shaped hole in his heart. Yeah. <laughs> and Ian... Violin time. And Ian's... Uh, <laughs> Match fixture, match fixture sign writer. And Bobby Ford, ill, ill-fated dive on Marcus Bent. So, uh, it's been another good part. It's been absolutely um, great to have you on, Lou. Yeah, have you, Lou. Thank you. Uh, next Wednesday, we're hoping to record. Don't know if Dan will be back. He's a very busy international businessman. Uh, he's been running up and down the Rhine today. Uh, and reading Danny Hall's book, another plug, Dan, another retweet, we'll go miss. And uh, <laughs> hopefully you all enjoy the um, the game on Saturday. And that's how that my prediction or yeah, my prediction comes in. So I said we'll win, and, uh, and then Tuesday. So uh, 
two games to look forward to in four days. It's been great to have you on once again, Lou. What's well, right here? Up the bike. Up the bike.